Hey, listening friends, I'm your host and coach, Laura Malone. As an entrepreneur and leader, wife and mom, teacher and creator, I am showing up to share possibility with you and help you find vision and wisdom because you deserve to be equipped and released as the hero of your own story. Coaching really does help you change your life. And if you want to know how to guide yourself and others well, I created this podcast just for you. It's a place where you can grab tools, teachings, and ideas for both personal and spiritual growth, as well as entrepreneurship and coaching, if that's your thing. So as you listen in, I pray I can help you create a legacy of impact and really start writing the story of a life you love living. Now let's jump into today's episode. Okay, friends. So today is part two of my conversation with my coaching friend, Tony Lemuria. If you didn't listen to the last episode, I recommend you go back there and see how it progresses into today's episode. We're going to talk about the Pearl Practice and the Enneagram and coaching and bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth the way that you are designed to do it. All right. I pray that this blesses you. Let's jump in. I want to talk about the Pearl Practice because it's something that we kind of talked about and a couple of things that you've said to me um, in the past, because I, I created the Pearl Practice around the concept that I've been teaching for a while about actually taking your thoughts captive, because nobody ever taught me how to take my thoughts captive. The Bible says to do it, and the church says to do it, but they never actually said, this is how you do it. And I look, as I raised my children, I would tell them, well, you need, okay, let's take every thought and imagination and dream and captive to the obedience of Jesus. But I thought, so much as that is me just telling them how to memorize scripture and say mm. it out loud, which has mm-hmm. great benefit because, mm-hmm. you know, we have the words of life and death in, the, the, in our tongue. So yes, I'm saying it out loud. The word of God doesn't return void. Yay. But did I actually take those thoughts captive? Mm-hmm. <laughs> did my children actually become people who know how to take their thoughts captive? And as I sought that out and prayed about it with the Lord, went after it and then there's those linear models that you have brought up of the, you know, your circumstance informing your thoughts and feelings and actions and results, which is a beautiful process if it works for you and the time that it works for you. Um, but I, with my clients, I saw that it wasn't so linear all of the time. And it was, mm-hmm. it felt almost dishonest to try to force my clients to make it linear for themselves. When mm-hmm. I could see the resistance, <laughs> if I tried to do that, it didn't, it wasn't going at what, it didn't even feel like I was really being led by the spirit if I tried to make it go that way. And so I'm pretty mm-hmm. resistant to forcing and controlling things. Um, so one day when I heard the Lord say Pearl, which is actually my daughter's middle name, one of my daughter's middle name, and it was my grandmother's name. I mm. thought he was talking about something else. And then I just literally heard paradigm, emotion, action, results, legacy. And I was like, mm-hmm. that is so Jesus. <laughs> I just <laughs> and I love it. couldn't I love come it. up with it on my own. It was not a thought process I had. It was just something I instinctually I just knew. Mm-hmm. And as I processed it and I started working with clients through it, it really created this beautiful space where every, every single time we got to this place of a deep truth about what they were believing. And we shifted that belief to line up with the truth of the gospel and what God says about them as a son or a daughter. And 
tears every single time. And then when I t- mm. I've taught it to my coaches, they're like tears every single time because there's like <laughs> a revelation of truth in it at a core, deeper level than just the thought because we're digging mm. into the belief system, the whole paradigm. And we're also going further into the impact that it has on your legacy and how you're affecting the world around you and mm-hmm. how you're bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, right? Yes. So something that you have said is, which I completely agree with, um, is just that when trauma is in our lives, when we've experienced something, when we haven't experienced full healing in different areas, how the the flow of thoughts and emotions can turn and go opposite of that linear model of thoughts informing feelings, et cetera. And I have seen that because when we do the pearl practice, we have the old pearl and the new pearl. And in the old pearl, we always just start where the client is most aware. If they're most aware of their actions or results, we start there. And we just tap into, like we ask the Holy Spirit to lead. We just ask, okay, what, what kind of results are that are those actions getting you? And it, it takes time and we process through it. And sometimes they're very aware of their emotions before they're aware of their thoughts. And sometimes they're, they're not, it's sometimes really hard to figure that thought out. What are the thoughts and what are the belief systems? And it's a lot of work to do, but it's so beneficial. When we flip over to the new par- new uh, pearl, We start with the legacy first, and there is a more linear flow there because we're looking at, well, what do you want your legacy to be? And then we work back to what kind of results do you have to get? What kind of actions do you have to take to get those results? What kind of emotions would inspire those actions? And what kind of thoughts and belief systems are true and aligned with God and the word that are going to inform the rest of it? But in that old pearl where we're just really digging in, Um, what are your thoughts on, because I I know with trauma work, especially, and we've talked like the nervous system, the limbic system, like all of this, there's a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) in all of that. Yeah. So I bring all of that up to say, if you, if we have coaches listening who are informed and trained more in that linear model, how would you bring that back around to working with clients who don't fit the linear model of thoughts, action, thoughts, feelings, actions. Hmm. That's a, that's a, it's such a great question. I think it's such an important question. (laughs) I was just going to say, I would, I would think that that could be a whole episode on its own. Um, I'm thinking of three scriptures that might inform a little bit of uh, direction there. The first one is um, Romans 12 2. be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then the, so that is what's so important after that. Be transformed by the ringing of your mind so that you can discern what is the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. So many times, so many of our clients have lived lives that have been so inundated with garbage, whether it's somebody else's garbage that's been put on them or just negative experiences they've had. They truly don't know how to look at the landscape of life in front of them and discern what is the good, perfect, and pleasing. There's work that needs to be done there. That goes to that idea of of linear thinking. They can't do that. They can't do that linear thought right now. And and so much of the work in in the mental health landscape today and in life coaching, by the way, is um, is teaching people that you can. Um, oh, I'm sorry that you can't control your thoughts. Now, a lot of life coaching is is recognizing we can, right? And that that's the whole point. 
but there's so many people teaching out there that we can't control our thoughts. And there's so many people out there also believing that their emotions always come before their thoughts, their emotions drive their thoughts. And so there's a lot of reworking necessary to do. You can't just tell somebody they have to learn that skill. And Romans 12, 2 makes it very clear that there's work there for us to do. We've been given a new spirit, but we have to do the work. The second one I think about is I think 1 Corinthians 10, 5, which says, um, take every ca- every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. But right before that, it's saying um, everything everything in the world will assault the knowledge of God. And so it's like the knowledge of God in my specific search- situations. And some people don't know that. They don't know the knowledge of God about their truth, their purpose, their identity, their own journey. And so we have to we have to give that to them first. So that goes against that linear thought, right? There's there's work to do there. Um they don't even know how to make it obedient. And then the last one is um second Timothy one seven, which says you haven't been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Right? Power, love, and a sound mind. And that's one of my favorite verses and I love to use in life coaching. You'll hear it all the time on my podcast which by the way, my podcast is The Image Born Life. Um, but, Links in the show notes. <laughs> okay, cool, thanks. Um, so, but the idea there that there is a real spirit of fear in people who um, who aren't redeemed, first of all. And then secondly, people who are redeemed, that spirit of fear obviously can't be in them, but they can be affected by it from the outside. And that is something that needs to be unlearned. We need to unlearn. I love the work of Stacy and John Eldridge about making agreements. We need to learn the agreements we made and break those agreements. And that goes against now also that linear agreement. We have to pray uh, sometimes. This is my favorite prayer for, for people sometimes in this thought process is, God, I'm listening to the spirit of fear, and I don't know how to listen to the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind that you've given me. Please help me hear those thoughts, right? And so we have a lot of work to do as life coaches to help people figure those things out. And I think that really goes into what you're talking about, the paradigm at the beginning. It's not just thoughts. It's a, it's, it's a, the way that I think and the way that I view the world and that affects everything. Coming from that point, um, do you use the Enneagram at all in your coaching? I do like the Enneagram. I, I haven't used it so much in my, my coaching yet. In therapy, I've used the Enneagram a lot. And the reason I love the Enneagram is because it shows us kind of what our strengths are. And then if we're struggling, maybe why we're struggling. I love that. But then when we can look at those nine kind of levels of our health, we can say what I love to use it for is saying, where do you feel you are? And if people say I'm at an eight, I can say, okay, well, then if we're just going to take some baby steps, what would it take to get to the seven? And then once we get to that middle tier of six, five, and four, then, you know, what would it look like to get to the next level? It gives us some really workable things that we can use within scripture. For just for the sake of anybody who doesn't uh, know about the levels of health within the Enneagram, we talk about levels of health going from one to nine um, within your type, your dominant Enneagram type. We're looking at the measure of health for you that you're operating at personally, kind of like in that soul realm of one being I'm operating at the healthiest side and all the healthier sides of characteristics of my type and nine being uh, pretty, some very harmful behaviors coming out of me as opposed to. So in uh, the levels of health and the way I I look at it and the way I teach Enneagram and um, original design is 
that one, two, three is that like, I'm adopted and I know it. Right. And then four or five and six is kind of that striving default where we are almost every day. We are kind of dipping up sometimes into I'm adopted, but am I, maybe I need to work harder. (laughs) And then that lower seven, eight, nine, lower levels of health levels of health is dipping more into orphanhood. I've Mm. been abandoned. He's, he is not even real. He doesn't want me, nothing I can do. And kind of the behaviors and belief systems of that operate within those three kind of mindsets. Mm -hmm. And so looking at it and contextualizing it to our relationship with God and who we Mm -hmm. believe we are, if everything in the refrigerator at my dad's house really is mine. (laughs) <laughs> are those cattle on the are the cattle on the hill? Um, they, are they mine too, or just my dad's? And he's holding them and withholding from me. You know. Yeah, this is I where know. I love to use the rescue, redeem, restore model. So I would look at it and say that nine, eight, and seven—that's rescue. We have some rescuing that we need Definitely. to do there. What is it that we okay. need to be rescued from? And then six, five, and four; those health levels—that's the redemption. What does redemption look like? What does it look like? So I like to use human trafficking. It's very important to me and my wife um, uh, to help with that. Yeah. So th- this model of do, what does rescue look like? Just pulling that person out of human trafficking, right? Mm-hmm. Just stopping it. But then we need to get somebody into a stable life, just functioning again. That includes everything from eating, sleeping, trusting, going to school, working, you know, being able to do things. That's that's normal life. And that's like those middle levels, just functioning again. But that's what redemption looks like. We're going to redeem you to a human being. But right. then the restoration is that levels three, two, and one. What does God's original design look like for you? Or because we know he does have an original design for us, but it, maybe it's if we're talking about marriage or something, we might not want to go back to the best we ever had. We want to go back to something better than that. Mm-hmm. So what does the res- restoration look like of the fullness of this kingdom living experience? Yeah. And so rescue, redeem, restore there. I love that. Yeah. It's so good. And it's just our, it's like our story, right? <laughs> We're going all through this. <laughs> so with the Enneagram and coaching, I love to look at the kind of the storylines that each type has, has been living from, you know, the narrative we've been believing and looking at it. So uh, do you know the storyline of the two? Did you, are you saying you are a two? Uh, yes, I, I think I'm a two. Okay. So I, I believe that it can change over time. So last time I did it, I was a two. Gotcha. But somebody else thought I was an eight. I was like, well, well two man, and eight are connected by that line. So yes, but I um, they, I was coming out of the military, right? Yeah. And I think somebody saw like just the officer in me and, and what, and that's, they were thinking they were, yeah. Yeah. Influenced well, by that. I think that, um, I mean, obviously behavior doesn't tell anybody anything about your root motivations, right? Mm-hmm. Only you right. and God know what's really happening in the heart of man, essentially. And I um, I love inviting the Holy Spirit to use the wisdom of the Enneagram tool, because mm-hmm. I don't think it's everything, right? It's just right. a tool that he'll use if it's a tool in our tool belt, right? Mm-hmm. So when I look at it and go, a lot of, a lot of coaches tend to fall in a couple of different Enneagram types and twos are one of them because they're very helping hearted. They love helping others, but the storyline of the two that is more developed in childhood, but also I believe that God, he, 
knit us together in our mother's womb, right? And he knows the personality and the perspective that he's designed us and the, the character and nature of our father that we're designed to carry and release to the world. He knows mm -hmm. all of it. It was set there before time, right? So I'm like, okay, God wants to use our perspective, but what he wants to do in that restorative process is line our perspective up with truth so we can operate from that place. And right. if we're all, I love to use the Enneagram. If somebody understands that narrative that has driven them from childhood, you know, I, I have to meet the needs of other people in order to be wanted and feel loved. If that's your driver, then we under, we can somehow a little more quickly be able to pinpoint, is that it may not always be, but when we do the pearl practice, is that one, is that the driver in your paradigm? Is that the belief system you're looking at this circumstance with? Hmm. And when we can get to that, the sometimes the Enneagram, that root motivation and narrative narrative helps us get to that paradigm belief system a little bit faster because it simply gives language. And not all of my clients uh, know anything about the Enneagram or know their Enneagram hmm. type. So what I do is I just lay out the nine narratives, the nine storylines of each type and say, are any of these, the belief system that, that have, has been driving you in the past right now in this circumstance. And again, it's like a drop-down list. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love drop-down lists. Like I love it. Let's just, <laughs> yeah. if there could just be a drop-down list that tells me like, what are all the possible options here? <laughs> you know, Then it gives you language instead of having to dig up. I, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I, don't feel safe. Do I, I don't know. Like mm. I'm going to mm -hmm. need a week to think about it. Can we come back to this? You know, <laughs> but yeah. a drop down list of, we are all actually all nine types. We just, one of them is a dominant type that has flavored and filtered. Yes. I'm sitting here. Budget. My, the viewer, the, the listeners can't see me nodding my head, but yes, <laughs> I'm, I realize how quiet I am. Yes. But yeah, the, um, there's, a. Uh, just a, a nuance to it. I look, I look at it like it's a watercolor. It's not a mm -hmm. box to get into, you know, but yeah. it's more like it reveals the watercolor, the masterpiece that God designed in you. Mm -hmm. And then I like the enemy through, you know, wrote on you with magic marker and people threw mud on you and you used oil to cover it up, to protect yourself because you were ashamed of mm -hmm. some pieces of it, you know, and the Lord's like, let's peel all that stuff off because you're not actually a two, that's just been, that's the mask mm -hmm. that you've been wearing underneath. Mm -hmm. You powerful. are made in the, the image of your father. You're an image bearer mm -hmm. and you are designed to reveal the kingdom of heaven and earth through the characteristics that I've placed in you. God says, you know, mm -hmm. so I love to use it in coaching just because it helps kind of get to some deep underlying root systems that undercover uncover um where we want to go in the work we're doing and that's, i know a lot really of powerful brought that in and say they've gotten years of counseling done in two sessions because <laughs> of the language of the tool of the enneagram <laughs> that is so powerful i think i'm gonna have to start using it now you've excited <laughs> me about it i'm gonna have to start using it in in life coaching but there's something so powerful about language isn't it language is freeing mm -hmm. And that is the one way that God divided the earth at a, at a point was he confused all the languages, right? Yeah. Introduced some things there, but there's power in being able to articulate for myself, 
my own world, whatever that is. Right. And it's so powerful when an idea can finally be shared with somebody else in language. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's very powerful. That's a, and that's when a you see tool. that everybody else doesn't agree with you, they don't all see the world the same way. <laughs> what? Yeah, that can be really freeing too, right? To understand that you're okay. Or it can make you mad. What? <laughs> I yeah, lived 47 yeah. years thinking everybody thought the way I thought. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A whole nother episode there. Right. Or it <laughs> could be freeing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, true. absolutely. Absolutely. I love to, you said just one thing I want to, you said something several times. It's just the kingdom of heaven, right? Bringing the kingdom of heaven, bringing the kingdom of heaven. I think one of the things we all struggle with sometimes is how, how do I do that? Like, how do I bring the kingdom of heaven to earth? I don't, I don't get it. If you knew my past, if you knew me, if you know what goes through my mind on a typical day, if you know what goes through my mind when my wife says something or looks at me a certain way, you know, you wouldn't want to listen to me. You wouldn't trust me. How do I bring the kingdom of heaven? Um, and I think one of the things I really like to distinguish, and I think this, this, the Enneagram and the Pearl, the, the paradigm, piece can really help with, especially in this articulation piece, is I try to help people say, how do you bring all of your life, every aspect of your life, how do I bring every aspect of my life under the sovereignty of God? That's what it means, I think, to bring, when we read these parables, to bring the kingdom of heaven down. We're living under God's sovereignty, and the world tells us not to. And a lot of other people tell us we can't, we can't trust that it won't work in the system in the way that this world works. And so how do I bring those things in? And so being able to even find the articulation, the words of how can I myself with my skills, with my toolkit, with my experiences, with my beliefs, bring my life and all of its aspects under God's sovereignty, trusting him for all those things. Um, yeah, I think that's I'm just always looking for powerful little tools like that. And that, I, that just really inspires me. That's great. Seek the kingdom of God first and everything else be added. Right. Right. And, but I think people have a hard time. Like, what does that mean? And life coaching yeah. would be really awesome with that. What does that mean to seek the kingdom of God first? I thought I was doing that, but right. my wife, my life is a wreck. My marriage is a wreck. My parenting is a wreck. Yeah. thought I was doing it. Well, good news. There's still time. You're just in process. That's right. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me here today. I really appreciate it. It's been great. I love listening to your podcast, Laura. I learn a lot. Um, And I really, oh, I wanted to say this earlier, but those episodes on finding your niche, I just want to encourage all your listeners to go and find those if they haven't found those already. Good, good episodes. They're all good, Laura. Thank you so much. I hope maybe you can come on my podcast sometime. I'd love to talk more about some of these things. Would love to. Thanks for being here. Appreciate. I loved uh, getting to know more of you and your journey. I will make sure that all of the the links to your website and your podcast and the books, the resources, I'll uh, have links to those and um, references to all of the scriptures that you okay. brought to us. Cool. That'll all be in the show notes for you guys. Well, I've got two books that I would love people to yeah. know about if possible. One's called 12-2, starting now. These okay. are on barnesandnoble.com. And then The Living Image. God purposed you to bear his image and know his will. So good. So good. And those are books that you've self-published, right? Correct. You are a starter, sir. You make things happen. (laughs) Trying to figure it out. (laughs) So good. Well, I hope that that actually encourages 
listeners, like go take action. The things that are in your heart, the things that you know you're made to do, just go do something to get towards it, you know, to start bringing the kingdom, right? And God's put it in you. His people need it. They do. There's people waiting for what's in you. All All of the crazy and the trauma and the pain, it's all part of a story that other people need to hear. And as a coach, you can learn how to contextualize and and actually take your story and become somebody who is just two or three steps ahead of others who wish that they had a guide, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what we are as coaches. We're just trying to be a guide to somebody, anybody. <laughs> yes. Honestly, I think I just don't want to go up the mountain by myself. And so like, I just want to be a coach so people, so we can have a party as we go up the mountain together. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, I'm there with you, Laura. Thank you so much. Awesome. Great to have you. And we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Take care. I so appreciate you as a listener. And if you're looking for a community of like-hearted believers who love all things coaching, be sure to jump into the Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group. Do you think you might be called to become a certified Sterling and Stone Life Coach? We'll learn more about the Greenhouse course where you can get trained in just 10 weeks to start building the foundation of your coaching practice. All the links you need are in the show notes. Happy story making.